WandaVision, Season 1, Episode 4. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. And it's an extra fun one today because we have a very enlightening episode of WandaVision to break down. Episode 4, for a lot of fans, finally felt like the MCU that they've come to know and love. It brings us back into the world through the eyes of Monica Rambeau. Such an awesome episode, and one that I feel like fans have been waiting for, you know, since the launch of the series. Today, I bring my friend Jeff Sloboda on to help me dig into the details. Jeff is the host of a podcast called The MCU's Bleeding Edge. And he is a diehard just like me. I recently talked to Jeff on his podcast about WandaVision Episode 3, and I had a great time doing it. Awesome conversation. And I thought it would be fun to have Jeff on Marvel Plus to break down Episode 4. So, without further ado, let's dig into the details with Jeff Sloboda. Hey Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Brett, it's great to you again in such short notice, man. It's only been a couple yeah, of days yeah, since just, I saw uh, you last. Yeah, we just did a recording for your podcast, and um, that was a lot of fun. And I, I'm hoping today to dig into some of, some of the same things that we talked about on your podcast, but now probably some new things that we've discovered. I know I've watched episode four a couple times now, and so it, you know you see a little more each time you go mm-hmm. through it. Um, but but this this episode... It, it it's the first one that I feel like it, it feels like the MCU again. Like I think fans were waiting for and it really feels like, yeah. okay, this, I mean, it felt like an MCU film. Did it not? Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you was kind of like, just like bouncing off of like us talking the other night. I wanted to just come kind of like follow up and just say like, you know, Hey Brett, like right there when you said that, like, Hey Brett, you know, do you feel like this episode finally like brought people back? Yeah, to the yeah, MCU? and that's what I've seen online. Uh, I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook and things like that where, where people discuss this stuff, and and uh, that seems to be the consensus that uh, you know this is what we've been waiting for. And and there was a lot of kind of naysayers early on, even even Marvel fans who were like, eh, I don't I don't like it dragging out this long. Um, I they, you know they didn't really appreciate the slow burn. And um, uh, it seems like this has brought them around quite a bit, and, and they're happy to finally see this feel like an MCU property. Um, and, and I'm the same way, but but I was I was enjoying the the sitcom episodes as well. Uh, but just just digging into this episode, um, you know, it, it's it's basically the first three episodes, but from another perspective, it's from the perspective of Monica Rambeau and Sword, and um, I just love it when creators do this, when, when you rehash the exact same storyline, but from a new perspective, I, I always find that interesting. And that, you know, it's something that's been done in, in movies throughout the time. Um, 
And it's just something I've always enjoyed that I think is, is a really cool mode of storytelling is to say like, well, you know, what you saw isn't all that happened. This is, is what happened from a different perspective. And, and this episode, it, it, it was, it did it in glorious fashion. It did it so well. And I, so what did you think of this opening with, um, when they started off, it's basically what the, the, the blip, right? It, it's everyone coming back after Thanos snaps and after, yes. uh, Tony does his snap and brings everyone back. Um, we saw a little bit of that in Spider-Man Far From Home, but we didn't really get details on what it was really like when those people appeared. Um, and, and it seems as though when they come back, uh, they had no idea they were gone. So that was an interesting new... Um... No, I think... Yeah, it was. Um, I really, you know, honestly, to, to pay service to what you brought up before that, Brett... I really like uh, enjoyed the same aspects of the episode that you did in terms of the fact that it really mm-hmm. felt like it, it, it was, it was fan service in a way, you know, like they really, you know, they really did a great job of changing that perspective, like you said. And I think that, you know, it really boils down to how well you pull that off. And I feel like Marvel studios is really good at that. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're I mean, they're good at everything, but how they handled it was perfect because really, if you think about it, not that much occurred Mm -hmm. during episode four, really when it boils down to it. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like this Easter egg filled, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right. It did feel like a mini movie almost, but I mean, really, if you, if you boil it down and you, and you break it down, you know, not that many uh, serious issues or whatever or things popped up during the course of the episode. It's just yeah. like the tone changed so much. Like uh, when they yeah. made the switch over to sword that the entire tone of the series shifted. And I think that's what really brought people back. Like people mm-hmm. who were maybe a little bit on the outskirts with the series a little bit. I can see why this would have kind of dragged them back and been more like what they wanted to kind of see because um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's very, it's very methodical. Um, it's very, uh, interesting. It's very analytical. There's a lot going on in the episode. And as far as when it starts off, um, I did hear one person say something about like, they found that it uh, I guess like the, the whole, you know, yeah. um, dusting, undusting deal. I thought it was great. I thought they really did a great job of really giving people a, a real true impression of the confusion and the, and like the, like the, you know, the, the mayhem of like having all yeah, of those. Yeah. I thought, I thought it, like it, it was awesome. And it's something, like I said, we saw in, in far from home a little bit, um, but it, it was almost done in almost like a comedic manner. Whereas in this uh, episode of WandaVision, it, it felt like chaos. It, it felt kind of, you know, worrisome. It felt like anxiety, you know? Um, and so we get, yeah, we get Monica's perspective now. Right. And we learn that her mother has passed away during the blip, during the five years that she had disappeared. Um, and, and she gets right back to work apparently. I mean, she's, it, it, we don't know how much time has passed from, from then to uh, when she gets back over to, 
uh, sword. But when she does show up, where I'm guessing it's fairly soon after she returns, right? She's the first person to check back in, they said, uh, with sword. And um, apparently her, her mother had a big part in developing sword and, and now <clears throat> it was developed as kind of a, um, an episode or a, an agency to handle things in space. But after the blip, um, they've now kind of been grounded. They, they, they've been taking care of things on earth for a while. So and we, we find out that there's this person that they have in the witness protection program inside of this town of Westview. Um, and they don't say who that person is. Um, and I, I think that's a big, a, a big uh, thing going forward is who is that person, right? It's, it's one of the things I think it's probably going to tell us something about what we've been wondering about the whole time. Like who's doing all this, what's happening. Um, but they, she goes to, investigate the disappearance of this witness that was in witness protection in the town of Westview um, only to discover that there's some sort of barrier around the town and uh, they can't get inside. And no one seems to even relatives of the people that live in Westview seem to have any memory of their relative that lives there. So it's, it's crazy. It's affecting everyone even outside of this bubble. So what'd you think of that? Well, powerful. Um, one thing, one point I think that's really important that I that I think some people may not have realized is that the dialogue between um, Monica and director Tyler mm-hmm. Hayward before we get to that scene with Jimmy Woo outside of the town of yeah. uh, Westview. Um, that I based on their dialogue, I get the gist that um, at the point where uh, Monica's mom was either running sword or was one of the people running sword. Um, and Monica, you know, um, was working for sword, uh, as an adult before mm-hmm. the snap, um, at, you know, in the blip and everything, I believe that Monica had actually, um, gotten to a point with sword where she had come so far to where there was a question as to whether or not she might have actually had Tyler Hayward's position. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I'm getting from it, uh, that, yeah. that she w- was the natural, um, you know, next person to take up that mantle of heading sword. Um, but because of her disappearance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Hayward got got promoted to that position. And now there's almost kind of a, a weirdness between them where, you know, he almost feels like uh, – you know, she got cheated out of it and now he's her boss and it's just this weird dynamic. Yeah. But it's interesting. It is. It Mm -hmm. is. It's awkward. There's, there's an, there's an obvious awkwardness that they want us to see in that dialogue where you can tell that like, they're both uncomfortable and um, like, you know, honestly, I can, you can see that there's some kind of, there's some competing interests there too. Like, in terms of the direction that sword mm-hmm. is going in now, like, um, like Tyler Hayward describes, you know, that saying that they're grounded mm-hmm. now and everything. And Monica seeming to really want to like, you know, be advancing program and like that being her focus. 
um, which I think is really interesting. I think that that's really going to play out down the into in Captain Marvel two. I think it's real. That's what that's really going to hit home. The way I did it, the, the just the just I got from episode four was that even though they only gave us a little bit to work with, I believe that Monica was was highly positioned in the space program under Sword. Yeah, yeah, and that would make sense with her connection to Captain Marvel um, and what we saw in the Captain Marvel film. Um, I, I think I think that uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I think you're right. I think that her her kind of wanting to continue with the work she had previously obviously been working on um, with the space side of, of what sword was doing. I I think that makes sense. I mean, for the character, it makes a lot of sense that, that she has this pull towards, you know, space and what's going on out there in the universe. Yeah. It is interesting. It's an interesting connection, and I think it's going to play into mm-hmm. Secret Wars as well. When we get to that point, uh, and when they get we get into Captain Marvel two, and then we get into Secret Wars, however, that's going to end up mm-hmm. being played out on Disney Plus. I think that um, she'll be a she'll be a focal point character in that. Of, I think at that point, you'll see her. Um, you know, when they when they put the, the spotlight on. Um, you know, on on Nick Fury up there at the at the at the space station, I wouldn't be surprised if by then, um, Monica is potentially yeah. in space yeah. then as well, um, or in some way yeah. b- it becomes yeah. a part of the Secret Wars and the Captain Marvel tube film, in which Kevin Feige's already talked about, and I, I think that some people need, you know, like maybe fans who don't know from the comic books who who really you know only know the MCU from. The Infinity Saga and stuff like that, that we are going to eventually see Monica Rambeau powered up as a superhero. She's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, she has embodied different superhero positions throughout uh, the comic book universe. Um, She's actually been Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel at one point. And um, it seems like most people are thinking that she's going to be this photon character. Um, But, but what do you think about, um, the idea that when she was thrown out of the town uh, out of Westview by Wanda, that maybe that might somehow um, the energy from that uh, might somehow kickstart her having powers in the future. I think that's really interesting. I think that that could very well be something that play out. I mean, um, there's no question that there, I mean, look, this is my take and this, and I'll tie this into, that scene with Jimmy Woo and Monica Rambeau where she gets pulled into mm-hmm. the energy field and sucked into the town. Um, you know, as a connection, I almost felt like, did you feel at all like maybe when that, when that she touches that energy field and it pulls her in, that maybe there is an actual specific connection that, that for some reason the town, the energy of the town, of the reality can tell about Monica Rambeau that she's somehow connected to the town. Hmm. And that's why they, that's interesting. Um, because I actually, I've heard a a theory that, that it's possible that Tyler Hayward 
the, the guy who sent her to the town, um, that he might be up to something behind the scenes, um, uh, that maybe he's not, uh, a great guy going forward. Maybe he's tied into this plot somehow because he could have sent her anywhere in the world on assignment. Why would he send her there to go check on a, a, a disappeared witness? Um, and if that's so, if he sent her, her there on purpose, then, you know, it would make a lot of sense that uh, she would be pulled in, that they would be, that the town, that the the sinister forces behind whatever's going on, if it's not just Wanda, um, that he's tied up in that and that it was, ex- you know, it was expected for her to go there that she was supposed to go there. Um, but, but I don't know. I, that's interesting. Well, the, the, the Hydra bath soap yeah. commercial makes me think about him and Hydra. That's what I think when mm-hmm. I look, when I, when I watched that commercial with the Hydra bath soap, that made me think of, um, yeah. that made me think of, uh, agents of shield, um, the connection with agents of shield, and um the and then the connection with um Tyler Hayward potentially being you know uh, an agent of Hydra possibly although I yeah. don't know I mean, who if knows that's really uh, I mean, yeah that, this yeah. goes all the way back to uh, Captain America Winter Soldier right where we learned that Hydra had had been infiltrating Shield for a long long time um, and who knows there there could still be some remnants of that you know. Uh, espionage going on oh yeah sure i mean sword's been around mm-hmm. it sound like sword's been around for a minute so i mean hydra could ha- hydra could have True. a very mundane role in this whole series at the end of the day or end up turning out to be like a major player like who knows i mean um you know mm-hmm. there was the strucker commercial with the watch and everything which was really poignant, I thought, you know, like, um, you know, showing kind of like one that she's developing these commercials because she's making right, them, right? You know, like she's the director, she's the producer of of those commercials. Right. Um, and what I found interesting was how obscure, um, how obscure Tyler Hayward sounded telling Wanda uh, Monica Rambeau about the whole like case, like. His whole take right. on it was like, oh, it's just a missing persons case. Right. And it, that's it. Well, I think at that point, I mean, that's all we knew. Um, at least we're led to believe that he was just sending her to check on this missing person. But when she when she arrived, you know, Jimmy Wu standing outside like something's not right here. Can you feel that energy? You know, like um, the town doesn't want me to go in. And and these cops here are saying. Yeah, and plus, yeah, and plus, it's sword. I mean, you know what I mean. Sword and shield—they don't right. get involved in things if they're not. Right. If there's well, I don't know. I think this there. was. Um, I think the witness was a sword witness. I don't think this was like an FBI informant type uh, witness. I think this was someone that sword had stashed away there. Oh, see, I got the wrong impression. I thought that that, that it was Jimmy Woo's, um, specifically that was under his, that was under his, um, you know, uh, I, or like under his, you know, supervision. 
and that that's why he specifically was the oh, agent yeah, you know, that was that, that there could at be, the town because you know doing uh, the investigation. Jimmy Wu is from the FBI, so it's it, it's very possible it was just an FBI informant. Um, but yeah, yeah, depending on who that witness is, I think that's the big question. Is I, I think that would determine why Sword is involved. My you know my theory is that that the the person that was the witness who we don't know for sure yet um, is that that person is a person of interest, like a super powered person that they had there. I don't think it was just some normal Joe. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. It could be a, I mean, at this point, anything could happen. And, you know, um, I mean, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to try to imagine what character that could be potentially. Um, you know, like I mean, it, it could very well be that this that this person is just a townsperson yeah. in, in the town. You know, like and the, and it's a mundane character. You know what I mean? You never know. I mean, you know, like uh, I mean, but honestly, um, what I basically found was I don't I didn't notice mm-hmm. so much sinister stuff with the director of Sword that much really at this point. More, I I really I would really more stress the fact that like. Whether it's like uh, what you said about the fact that maybe um, with with Monica Rambeau being ejected from the pocket re- that Wanda, you know, uh, shot mm-hmm. her out and everything, that that could potentially maybe trigger her powers, you know, a la the comics, you know, in a way, um, or possibly that maybe been right from the jump where it's Monica Rambeau and the town itself that are that are that are connected that? together and the, and and it's almost like a magnet to her and um maybe she's just one of those characters that is just attracted to danger you know what i mean and to yeah. like high power yeah, that's interesting you yeah know, I, I, I hadn't thought of that angle for sure about um monica being the one that is somehow connected to all this um now it, it, it is i one thing i liked about this episode is it for the first time kind of laid out a lot of the rules um, of this world, because, you know, in in most movies or series you watch, if you watch a Christopher Nolan film, right, they have to lay out kind of the rules of how the technology works that, that, you know, the made up technology in the film works. Um, But once, even if it's far fetched, once they lay out those rules, you can kind of go along with the story. Now, you know, now that you know, like, okay, well, you know, in this world, this means this, this happens this way. Um, and, and you can just live within those bounds, right. Of, of those rules of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, um, Hey, hey the Nolan or, brothers are good at it. Man. I think that, um, I think it was really cool that they showed, um, why the, the agent had a beekeeper suit on, right. Um, that this, this, reality that it, it seems that we're being told so far um at least yeah. by monica's perspective that wanda is controlling all of this now i i think there's more to it than that i don't think it's just wanda i think there's some other nefarious characters involved here um that we've yeah ah, yeah so yeah even more four because really, episode four really just, got that going for so you. in the background um early on they um when they're setting up shop uh, to monitor this town, right? When swords out there with all their equipment, um, you see all the stuff they have set up in the background and everything. And um, 
one of the things they're doing is they're, they're, they're trying to find out what people from the town they can identify um, as real people, right? And um, one of the people that they cannot identify that has no driver's license or um, record yeah. is the Agnes character, who a lot of people believe are a- Agatha Harkness. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, I I think I that's think she's true. The um, only character uh, at least of what we've identify. seen, of what they've shown to us. And you know what? You know what else I thought was interesting is that this episode, the way we are yeah. sitting here and breaking down these episodes, it was as if it was as if Sword was doing what we've been doing this entire time. They're they're like breaking down. Yeah. So there's like they have all these questions written down, I've like, heard that. and I think it's just a message to the fans, like, yep, yeah. you're on the right track. This is this is what you're supposed to be doing, right? What What do you think I, about um, them there. bringing back Darcy for this? I thought that was that was really good, and it was a really good comedic angle too, because I like the the rapport between her and Jimmy Woo. It's it's some pretty funny stuff. But what did you think about them bringing Darcy back in a big way? I like her outside of the MCU. I do. I like her. I like Kat Dennings. Um, I think she's funny, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, and like, you know, and she's actually genuinely funny. Um, she is pretty humorous mm-hmm. and yet can play professional when she needs to be and everything. She's a doctor now and everything, you know, in the series. Um, uh, so she's moved up. I thought that was great. I thought it was great casting. I thought it was great placement of the character, yeah. you know. I mean, um, you know, Monica Rambeau has is a was a great placement. You know, putting her in Washington was was a master stroke. And as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. we talked about they really aren't trying to blow this cast yeah. up in this series. Like they're trying to figure characters. And at that point, um, what I like about Darcy is she's capable of making an impact as a character in a very small way. That's not showy or anything, but it's still impactful, interesting. And I mean, what she discovered and everything as far as like, um, you know, coming in and finding the actual, uh, you know, the actual, you know, WandaVision show, like the uh, sitcoms and everything, um, that turned out to be a very small, mm-hmm. you know, matter, like in reality on her own to even come up with the idea of going to get an old, you know, uh, TV and plugging it in and seeing if by any chance that might catch like a, you know, a, a random source or signal or whatever from the town. Mm-hmm. And then it did. I mean, it ends up being the most like powerful evidence that they had gotten in the series at that point in terms of everything. Like, I mean, it really is like opened the world right. to them. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think it was like, she, she knew that there was a signal being emitted, um, but it was one that was kind of like old school. And I think that was, yeah. It was so, tethered. It was tethered within the energy of the, um, of the, uh, what is that? What was that cosmic energy that she talked about from the right, big bang? Right. Yeah. They said it was, it, it was like a ancient energy, right? Like, yeah. Re- residue from the big bang. So that, that, that's. DMBR. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's interesting too. I mean, like, who knows how that might play into other stuff that we're going to see later, like like the Eternals and stuff like that, like stuff from from yeah, stuff from way before. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows how that might tie in? Because we know we have that coming up very soon. Like the Eternals is one of the next 
few films that are there that we're going to see. So, mm-hmm. and people forget that I think it is. I, I, I think I think it's going to sneak up. Yeah, on I think people. I think I a really lot of people do. are forgetting about that when they're where they're putting all this stuff into theory. They're they're connecting it with you know Doctor Strange, obviously, and, and even the Spider Man film. Um, but even before that, we, we've got the Eternals coming up. So why wouldn't that tie in in some way? Well, let's be honest here, Matt. I mean, let's let's be real here. A lot of MCU fans are are, are like a lot of people in today's culture. They're very much like they mm-hmm. want to get their quick fix. So, like you know, at that point, uh, the entire premise of the Eternals yeah. is like deep yes. and complicated. You know, um. And really, when it boils down to it, and look, I don't, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say anything negative about anybody or say that 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 people are are being lazy or anything. I'm just saying that, like, as far as like what's what's like fun or attention getting or exciting to do, doing research about mm-hmm. the Eternals is not. Yeah, it. I, I think. Yeah, I think I mean, that the Eternals, honest. though. It, now, I I don't. I'm not deeply invested in any in Eternals movie yet. Um, but I wasn't deeply invested in Captain America <laughs> either. Um, and that proved to prove to be the the best yeah. trilogy, in my opinion, of the entire MCU. Um, so I, I, I got some, I, I have a feeling people are going to be very surprised by the Eternals. I think it's going to be uh, something that people weren't expecting. And I think it's going to do a good job of giving us all that background information um, so you don't really have to go back and, and research about the Eternals and everything. You know what I mean? I think it's going to do a good job of, of telling us exactly what it is. Yes. Um, but, but I, but I, yes, it's going to be very self-informative. Yes, yes. very um, much. I but yeah, we are kind of getting a little, a little ahead of ourselves here. So um, back to uh, what I was talking about with the rules of the town. So we've got this idea now. We, we know that when you send something into the town, it is kind of taken over by the town in a way. And it, it even becomes part of yeah. whatever is going on in the town. So they send in the drone and it becomes this very, um, you know, old school version of a, of a kid's toy helicopter. Right. <clears throat> and then you have the sword agent go in, in a hazmat suit that becomes a beekeeper's suit. Right. And, and the, the the line that was attached that yeah, was attached yeah. to him becomes a, a child's jump rope. <laughs> so um, it's really interesting that yeah. that kind of tells us, I think, that whatever goes into this town or is is inside this bubble is sort of taken over by whatever force is going on here, whether that be Wanda or something else or both. Um, and, and that I think that kind of gives us a clue. A lot of people were wondering was monica just acting was she just un, you know acting undercover when she was in there and realized she was in there um i think that she would yeah no yeah no, i think she, so too i think that she was taken over a bit and came a part of it um and then what happened was when when uh when she was talking to wanda some things started to come back and that's when she started to ask about ultron and things like that um and i thought it was I, Yes, when Wanda was weakened also. Yes. Remember? Because Wanda was weakened by labor and everything like that at that point, too. Her grip mm-hmm. on the control of and the so reality would be loosened. Uh, when Monica gets thrown out, we see 
for the first time in this episode, we get to see what she said when she came out. She the, the only thing she says is that it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. And I think for me, I think it's a little bit of a red herring for us. Um, I think they they want fans, uh, they want the audience to think that for the time being. Um, but I definitely think there's more at play than just yeah. Wanda doing this. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Brett, I'm glad that you've come to that angle because um, – I mean, at this point, like, I mean, I, I, you tell me what you think about this. That, like, I don't, like, I'd already mentioned to you earlier today, um, and maybe I'll just just talk about this a little bit here on the show now. I noticed a a a a, a moment in a scene where when Monica does the energy mm-hmm. barrier, as she describes it, outside of the town, you know, there is a there is a a short uh, period of time, about a minute long, long where you hear an audio sound coming from um, the barrier, coming from the field. As I explained to you before, when, when you break it down with the audio and everything and you kind of siphon through and, and, and separate what's what, there's a lot of different noises going around. But one of the things that I really noticed that's very, very poignant, very clear and obvious is that there's a very serious like radiation or like again like um like the uh the CMBR feedback and everything like emanating off of the energy field mm-hmm. is serious like you can hear it crackling and at the same time you can almost pick up that there are voices in the like like coming from emanating from the town from the energy shield, there are there's mm-hmm. either voices, like a conversation being had, or a voice, or like a replayed warning, hmm. like over, like almost a warning, you know, like don't you know, do not, you know, this area or whatever. And you tell me, Brett, I honestly have come to the feeling where I really do believe, especially after episode four and see, seeing Monica get sucked in like that. Mm-hmm. I think the so you think it's separate from Wanda. Then it's this is the other. I think yes, yes, yes. It's whatever it is, whatever the cabal is behind the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, behind controlling the whole reality. I don't believe. I do believe that that uh, Wanda conjured up the reality, but is someone manipulated her after the events of Endgame Mm -hmm. when she was very probably very easily manipulated. And um, they got to her and combined with her or like, you know, um, or kind of like pulling her strings. They're like also controlling the reality. And if you look at, at, at you know, at, throughout all the episodes, mm-hmm. Wanda is also drinking yeah. the Kool-Aid. Oh, that brings us so that vision. brings us to another question then. Um, and, and one that they had written on the board inside the, the, the little sword headquarters. Is Vision actually alive? And what do you think about that? I think at this point, now again, I mean, you know, um, I'm not 100% certain. I could be wrong, but I believe that honestly, that scene in um, in episode, I believe it was in episode three, wasn't it? Yes. Or was it in episode, it was four, episode four where Wanda sees him dead? Yes, I believe that like a sign, a signal that like mm-hmm. at that point, Wanda's guard was down. She wasn't the 
on the sitcom aspect of the universe that they're in. And at that point, you saw mm-hmm. Vision, you know, in reality, like what he actually is right now. He's he's a he's a corpse. He's dead. I think Wanda actually somehow got his body. So wait a minute. So uh, so you think they're they're actually playing around with his dead body? Is what you're saying? Yes, I mm-hmm. it's possible that yeah. maybe Mephisto himself, even though Vision is an android, <laughs> right? Because it's the MCU, you know, and everything, and and because it comes from the comics. It would not surprise me if in some way, even though Vision was an android, he still ended up upon death in the realm of Mephisto. And so at that point, Mephisto could very easily be kind of guiding mm-hmm. Wanda along or like re-enha- re-enhancing her powers or reinforcing them in order to um, keep Vision in play, like, you know, make Wanda happy. So Wanda, ha- Wanda has the children and in the meantime continues going with the town because I believe that in some way someone in the background is feeding off of the life energies or like the fears or like the dreams uh, of the townspeople in some way. Okay. They're benefiting yeah, I mean, from all I, these people. I, I think I was, just, I was just taken aback a, a little bit by the idea of them, you know, <laughs> like – moving his dead body around it, it feels a little morbid uh but i mean it, it's definitely possible it's a well from my perspective i think that just them showing his dead body um i i don't think it's literal i i don't think it's literally his dead body there i think that's just her like getting that image of what really <laughs> happened to vision you know what i mean like um, just just a reminder that Vision is most certainly dead, and I and I think that it's telling the audience that too. Like, yeah, he's not. This isn't the real Vision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that could be a red herring too. It's a good point though, Brett. It, and you know, when you connect it all together, it's a great point because even if it is just a premonition, like something for the audience to kind of like, you know. It, mm-hmm. it does show again that at that point Wanda was in a weakened state. Yeah, she was not fully concentrated on the controlling of the reality, and we don't know really because they haven't given us the rules yet in terms of how much energy does Wanda need to use, like how much control right. does she have to have. Yeah, yeah, I think that did it. Just to, like, it reiterated the point going. that um, that that Wanda was controlling things and that she needed to stay concentrated in order for things to go the way she wanted it to. And whenever she does lose a little bit of focus, um, things happen that she doesn't want to happen. Um, and uh, reality starts to peek through a little bit, like with Herb cutting through the wall and then, you know, being, um, you know, about to reveal uh, what they are, um, with, whether it's prisoners or dead or, or, you know, I've seen a lot of theories out there, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it is showing that she is in a, a large amount of control here, but I also at the same time think that there is, like you said, um, some other forces at play 100%. And I think that it, I think a lot is going to be revealed over the next two episodes. And that brings me to, um, as we're kind of wrapping this thing up, uh, I think we've gone over the episode pretty well, but what do you think, what is kind of your prediction going forward uh, based on what we know now? 
Well, I'm going to mix this. This is going to be a mix of prediction and also the fact that I have already, full disclosure, I've already promo mm-hmm. for episode five. Yes. So just a short, um, just an advertisement. And so what I saw and what I can share, that's the thing. I mean, we're, everybody's going to hear about this today. Yeah. Um, is that Vision tries to leave the town. He does. Okay. He tries to leave the energy field. He says to Wanda during the episode, um, what is outside of Westview? Like animated, like angry, you know? And then you see him trying to actually town and he can't bring him in. Okay. But, but eventually he does get through. And so during the next episode, we're going to see a who knows what's going to happen. Vision is going to be alive somehow of the town outside of the re- the pocket reality and potentially going to bump into sword and be questioned by sword. And it brings up a lot of interesting things. I mean, if he comes through the, 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 uh, the energy field and gets out to sword, mm-hmm. right. Um, and he and he's and he's alive and everything and whatnot and, and he and he looks just like he does in the pocket reality, and the mind stone comes with him, mm-hmm. and it's tangible. All of a sudden, now there's an infinity stone back in the MCU. Right. Very interesting. Very interesting. Who who knows? Who knows where? I mean, that just brings up so much, like, of what. Oh, that could lead. To- potentially maybe popping in then maybe in you know spider-man uh three or dr strange Mm -hmm. two and he could actually potentially try to find or recreate the time stone that's interesting that that definitely could be um what what do you think speaking of dr strange do you think we're going to see dr strange at any point during this wandavision series Yes, I think we'll probably see Doctor Strange in probably like episode eight and mm-hmm. nine. If anything, at least in episode nine, the last episode, I think you'll see Doctor Strange show up when we're, we're at critical mass and Wanda is about to break psychologically. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Like the, uh, you know, whatever he does to the multiverse. Yeah, I think that. Uh, we know that there's a connection between this show and Doctor Strange Two. Um, somehow we don't we don't fully know what it is yet, um, but they're you know they they've kind of let that and and Spider Man yes, Three too and Spider Man right they've kind of let that um, information be known to the public. So we're not spoiling spoiling anything here. Isn't that not- <laughs> yeah? They just dropped it out a week ago or two weeks ago. Like hey here. You- this is a, this is a uh, yeah, it's all trilogy. connected. Um, I, and I and I love it. I, I love that. Um, I, and I'm my prediction is we are going to see Doctor Strange. Yeah, at the very end, um, I think it's going to be a, a a big crazy moment where they bring him in, and I think it'll be either at the very end of episode nine, or even possibly. Um, I mean, I'm predicting that at the end of the series, we're finally going to get an end credit scene on that final ninth episode. Um, so they, they could possibly bring him in there, but yeah, man. Um, interesting thoughts, Jeff. Um, I really appreciate you coming on yeah. and, and sharing like your theories about what's going on here because 
that's that's what this whole thing is about, right? Just uh, speculating and theorizing, and it's a lot of fun to do, and you're a lot of fun to do it with because you, um, like some of my other guests, um, really like to dig into, you know, the meat of the stuff and and go into uh, deep diving on, you know, what could be coming from the comic books, um, deep diving on on you know, Easter egg breakdowns and, and really digging into the source material. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on and uh, having this rapport. Oh, well, I, I, I genuinely enjoy our conversations and, um, you know, uh, we work very well together. I mean, this isn't even work. This is fun. Like you said, oh, yeah. this is, this is playtime. Um, there's, there's nothing hard about this, you know, and, um, honestly, you know, uh, look, you know, I mean, I am very, I mean, the way you describe me is exactly how I go about this stuff. I mean, I already showed you my notes from episode four. I mean, they're like, yeah, yeah. Long. um, you know, I mean, and that's just me like, you know, that's mm-hmm. just doing the same thing you were doing, just watching it over and over again and stuff and just like studying things, you know, and trying to look for the intrinsic and the odd and the unique detail or whatever that could potentially lead to, you know, um, a better idea of the premise of the series and Mm -hmm. everything. But thank you, Brett. I had a really good time here and everything. It was fun. I mean, the time just flies when it comes. I know it's it's insane that almost an hour has went by. It seems like we just got, we got on this phone call. Um, but, um, I, I would love to have you back, uh, for either later in the WandaVision series or, or also bring you back for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, which I know that you and I are both very much looking forward to. So, so hopefully you can come back. All right, ladies and gents, that is going to do it for today's episode. I really hope you had as much fun listening to the conversation as I did having it. Jeff will definitely be back with his interesting insights and theories for future episodes. Be sure to check out the MCU's Bleeding Edge for more from Jeff Sloboda. Also, I wanted to mention that in preparing and editing this episode and last week's episode, I noticed a lag in the audio that affected how the conversation was recorded. Uh, at, At times, it seems my guest and I are talking over or interrupting each other. And that, that was just an audio issue, uh, one that I'm looking into. Um, I'm going to have it cleared up for future episodes. I sincerely apologize if this affected your listening. I'm, I'm going to find a solution as soon as possible. I want to put out quality content. I want to put out a quality product for you guys. And I honestly, you know, just for myself, like I, I like feeling good about the content that I produce, the stuff that I put out into the world. So believe me, fixing this audio issue is top priority. Now, as always, if you're new here and you enjoy what I'm doing, please be sure and favorite or follow the podcast, wherever it is that you happen to be listening. And if you'd like to help the podcast grow and reach a larger audience, the best thing that you can do is share the episodes on social media. Also, if you want to drop a five-star review, Uh, over on iTunes or wherever you listen, that will definitely help out as well. If you have any questions or comments to add to today's conversation or for future episodes, please hit me up on Instagram or Twitter 
at RealBrettScott. Or you can email the show directly at MarvelPlusPodcast at gmail.com. I know there are a million Marvel podcasts out there, so I truly appreciate you giving this one a shot, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy bringing it to life each week. Once again, thank you for listening. My name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus. 